Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Passages like this, they declare a much deeper issue for the believer. And that is, don't try to get it all done your way. Don't try to always be in control. Don't try to take care of business without the Lord leading. It's okay to be wronged when it's appropriate in God's eyes. We got to remember that. Now we can discuss things like helping someone who's being attacked and other situations where this verse may not be applicable. But the real power of this verse is in the heart that really wants to glorify God. And that person who wants to glorify God is going to be richly rewarded in eternity, even if there's no immediate reward here. So Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of what is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, because in verse 1 it says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So Jesus goes up onto a mountain, and his disciples follow him. Then it says that he taught them. Well, who is he talking about, his disciples or the crowds? It appears he's teaching his disciples. To be a disciple of someone, you're basically seeking that person's wisdom to become like them. And I'm sure there were people from the crowd that followed him up to the mountain, but it appears that they were not the intended audience. His disciples were. So the sermon, as great as it is, and as great as it has been claimed to be, even among unbelievers, it targets the one who would choose to become a disciple of Jesus. And this makes the sermon a little easier to understand for those who have chosen to surrender to him, in my opinion. So Jesus takes an old command, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth from the law in Exodus 21, 24. It says an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And he does something interesting. Instead of demanding justice, which this law was made for a government, not necessarily for the person, it's a government mandate. Those in authority need to have this type of punishment for offenses. And it's not just that we want to be severe. That's not it at all. It's fair. And it also limits someone, an eye for an eye. It doesn't mean that you can take a head for an eye, that kind of thing. That's preventing that. So it's trying to keep that punishment fair and consistent with the offense. But instead of going there, Jesus, he commands his disciples to turn the other cheek to an evil person who's striking them. Why? Why would Jesus want his disciples to become targets and easy prey for violent people? Simple. Jesus wants his disciples to glorify God. And that sometimes requires a lot of sacrifice, but it's worth it even to the point where you're physically being assaulted. Years ago, I was on a mission outreach in another country, and we had a team doing music, drama, and these really cool skits, children's ministry, doing puppet shows and a bunch of things. It was really cool. And word got out that we were doing this, and it was on a pretty busy street in the middle of the city. And as we were finishing up, an older lady came walking up to us from a church up the street, and she began yelling at us in her language, which I didn't understand. And one of our interpreters, who was a really sweet young lady and a local, she tried to talk to the woman, and the woman immediately slapped her across the face and hit her hard. It didn't knock her down, but it left a big mark. And this crazy lady began walking toward our sound equipment to tear it down. And all I could think of was, you know what, let's tackle her and hold her down until the authorities arrive. But somebody in the team began yelling to join hands. So the whole team joined hands and formed a human barricade around the stage. And then someone started yelling, start praying. So we all started praying and this lady became enraged and she tried to break through the line and everyone just remained in their place and prayed and she didn't hit anybody else. She was so angry. It was like she was physically being restrained. It was one of the most remarkable things that I've seen as a believer. It was like God just grabbed her and says, not today. And then she stormed off. 
I was a newer believer, and quite honestly, I wanted to throw something at her as she was still in range, but Holy Spirit's like, no, I'm taking care of this. He fought the battle. He took the wind out of her sails, and God was totally glorified, especially in the light of the fact that all the people that we were witnessing to throughout that day, a lot of them were still around there, and they saw all this unfold. It was a powerful witness, and not retaliating gave room for the Lord to do His work. It was very powerful, and and I was too immature of a believer to actually think about this right off the bat. My thought was grab her, and God showed me something very cool. He's like, I'll take care of the fight. And yeah, this gal got hit, and she didn't hit back, but God showed up. And where God is honored according to His Word, He's going to show Himself faithful, and He did. When the Apostle Paul was traveling and planting churches and ministering throughout the world, God had given him that responsibility to go out to the lost people of the world. And part of this role required checking up on those whom he had ministered to, to see how things were going. They were taught the basics of salvation by grace through faith, forgiveness of sins, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the hope of eternal life, and more. What else would they need? A lot. So in the totally depraved, immoral city of ancient Corinth, Paul spent 18 months teaching the new believers about Jesus and life as a follower of Jesus. Then Paul leaves Corinth. And in time, he writes a letter, or what's called an epistle, to the church in Corinth that we call 1 Corinthians. There's a lot of great teaching found in this letter, but it becomes obvious pretty quick that Paul appears to be irritated at this church. Much of the letter corrects and instructs the church how to do business, and Paul seems pretty condescending towards those in Corinth at times. But also in this letter, we find instruction for us as well, because as Paul is giving the Corinthian believers instruction for things, we can easily find a few of these topics that we need instruction on as well. So it speaks to a lot of people at a lot of different times in their lives, and it's very cool. But one of these topics was similar to what Jesus spoke about turning the other cheek. And Paul uses a problem that was going on in the church at the time to support this principle. There were believers fighting with one another. And instead of doing what is godly and resolving it as the Holy Spirit would lead them, they were taking the matter to a court in front of a pagan judge who knew nothing of the grace and mercy and holiness of God. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 7, To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Now, I'm sure when this letter was read to the believers, there were a few who would say something like, well, I'll tell you why. You don't know what a jerk this person is. And I think that's kind of a natural response to someone doing us wrong. We want justice immediately because we believe we are the innocent victim. And court is a place designed for this. The problem is, where's God? Where is the leading and instruction of the Holy Spirit? Where is the part about us sacrificing for Jesus' name and his glory? It's not there. Why? Because realistically, most people really do not deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Jesus. Just like the crazy woman from the spiritually dead church that slapped the interpreter. There's no way Jesus would ever call a person to walk up and slap a young lady across the face and then try to ransack a stage of believers. That's not Jesus. That's the devil. And that's what can happen when a person is religious without Jesus. The devil comes in and he becomes their spiritual leader. If only the churchgoers in our country, just us and nobody else, began to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus, our country would change overnight. Because the witness of God would be so powerful that unbelievers and apostate believers, those who have departed from the true gospel, trading it for some wacky teaching that has nothing to do with the scriptures, all of them would be convicted. When we deny ourselves, when we take up our cross, we're humbling ourselves, we're surrendering ourselves. That has an impact on those around us. And God can take a convicted heart of the most vile person and change them into a follower of Jesus. There's no doubt. That's been one of the hallmarks of Christianity over the past 2,000 years. Bad people 
evil people have repented and came to Christ, and he used them in amazing ways. But when believers engage in ungodly behavior, fighting, dividing, slandering, the devil is glorified, not God. Also, when we seek our own vengeance, we leave no room for God to work in that person's heart. And the entire reason God allowed something to happen in the first place was to work on the person. It's a plan. It's an opportunity for God to do something, but we get in it and screw it up because we don't obey the scriptures. And we drop kick our Bibles right out of the situation and act like idiots. And now we've basically stated that vengeance is mine. I'm going to repay instead of God. Romans 12, 9, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Underline that. I will repay, says the Lord. God is going to repay. Do we understand that? He is going to repay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. There's some debate on what that means, but continue. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is a good witness when we overcome evil with good. So this is a hard message to hear, let alone obey. But the closer we come to Jesus and the more we obey him and are empowered by his spirit, the more it makes sense. God loves this screwy world and he loves all the wicked people running around on it. And he wants to rescue everyone from the death grip of the devil. And he chooses to use his goofy followers to accomplish that part of his rescue plan. So we need to be a light. And turning the other cheek is a powerful witness when God is moving through the believer. God says to turn the other cheek, you do it. So remember, if the situation presents itself and someone is coming down on you pretty hard, you don't have to fight the battle on your level. Fight it using God's strength that comes from knowing and obeying him, and your reward will be great in heaven. Allow God some space to do his work and to show your faith to your opponent. Matthew 6:19, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. When we obey the word, especially those parts that we really don't want to, we're racking up rewards in heaven. And when we are making our way from here to there, then we're going to understand more clearly why Jesus taught what he did. Thank you.